Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 88. Carl picks three topics, Jason picks three topics, and you'll never guess what that adds up to. The answer may shock you. You are your phone. And the build is a lie. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Hey, Carl, how's it going? Ah, going pretty good. Yeah, so we uh, we had the the official MS Dev Show retreat. Actually, we're sort of just making that whole thing up. We we just happened to get together for New Year's, and I relabeled it the MS Dev Show retreat. <laughs> but uh, you know, like a retreat, we did do a little bit of planning for the year. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks for the fact that we have a sponsor. You know, we actually have some some funds to allocate for the year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we made sure that we had it planned off. Not only so we could uh, reinvest back into the show, but so we could get some awesome things for our listeners as well. So as we actually start acting upon that, uh, we'll let the cat out of the bag on that a little bit more. Yeah. And I actually, I would say that this upcoming year, I mean, we're reinvesting 100% back into the show, just making the show better. Because um, even the the guest gifts, I think, are, are part of that because our guests are what make the show awesome. Yeah. So if you want uh, dollars worth of of reimbursement. You could be a guest on the show. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So who is our Infragistics ultimate winner of the week? Uh, it's Ali Newsham and okay. he has a Twitter handle of scary looking. That's pretty so, cool. <laughs> yeah. I just had to point that out because it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before we had talked about um, uh, stack overflow links uh, to answers in our code. Yep. And he had mentioned that the Wonderlist app for Windows Phone in the about section, they have a list of all the Stack Overflow answers that they use while making the app. And I just think that's awesome how they gave credit for that. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I, I wonder if that's where I've seen it. I've seen it in a couple different applications and I do use Wonderlist for for a few things. And I'm, I, I think I might have seen it in there as well. Actually, that gives me a great idea for like some sort of plugin. You know, you have like something that scours your code where you just put links to Stack Overflow mm-hmm. wherever you use them. And then you're an about page. It scours your code and it like creates your about page for you based off of that. Oh, that's a good idea. It'd be pretty easy too to look for stackoverflow.com in there. And, yeah. Uh, you can make a regex to do that. And uh, we, we need some kind of dev tip of the week later in the episode to, to tell us how to, how to find that via regex. So hopefully yeah. you can help with something there. Yeah, but Ali uh, wins the Infragistics Ultimate License this week uh, for uh, hitting us up on Twitter with this tip. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get mentioned on the show, send us uh, an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Twitter, our website. Uh, we really like those five-star iTunes reviews. Yep. Um, actually, I think that's where a good chunk of our listeners come from. So yeah, um, that really helps get us noticed. Yeah. And actually nobody has commented on, I mean, we get like a ton of stuff on Twitter, but now on iTunes, we haven't had anything for months. So I'll give you, I'll give you a little secret, you know, just for, just for our best listers right now. Um, put a a five-star review out there on iTunes and, and mention something you like about the show or, you know, just put something out there and, uh, I'll try to gravitate toward the, if anybody posts anything on iTunes, um, so you'll have a you'll have a better chance of winning, but uh, don't tell anybody. That's just for our <laughs> our best listeners. 
Okay, uh, let's get into the news. And then what we're going to do a little bit later in the show, we have a whole bunch of topics that we're going to talk about. So this is, we're just going to talk about a lot of different things, but let's, let's get started with the news. So this first one's about lava lamps and I thought was really cool. Yeah, I I know a lot of places do different things on their build servers when people check in code. If Mm -hmm. they pass or fail, they might have like a TV screen that shows exactly what passed or failed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is a little story that's out on uh, GitHub Gist about uh, somebody who hooked up different color lava lamps. And the kind of the hack with this is, is if you've ever used a a lava lamp before, a good one takes like 15, 20 minutes to, to really get the bubbles going. So if somebody sees that the, they checked in some code and, and their lava lamp is going off, you know, they can see that the light turned on, but maybe not everybody can see it yet because the lava isn't flowing. So that kind of forces people to <laughs> get their, get the correction, their bugs fixed a little bit quicker Yeah, so that they can get that turned off before the lava really gets going. Yeah. That's pretty clever. Like it's just so, it's so artificial, but it it's motivating. And I was actually thinking about this. What's, what's funny is, you know, you could be really malicious on this. You could, you could wait for the bubbles to right, right before they start moving uh, to fix the bug. And then, you know, then it's, it's sort of armed for anybody else. So if anybody else, well, checks I in think some each bad person code, has their own, I think oh, they have their own lava lamp. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That, that, that way you can lay the blame. Okay. I like that. Yeah, just like uh, like when we were working together, we actually put somebody's name on the TV. So yeah, and then we would just shame them. Yes, Kyle <laughs> broke the build. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, what's next? You are your phone. I am. Yeah. So there, uh, this researchers were just uh, they put an app on people's phones just to uh, um, measure the usage, so the time that they were using a phone, and. Uh, this is like through a 24 hour day mm-hmm. and they kind of made this little map. And if you look at the map, it looks exactly like a DNA, yeah. uh, you know, blot or whatever you call that. Yeah. There's probably some and, scientific name. Yeah. And what it, what it kind of shows is you can actually kind of identify a person by just, you know, enough usage data of their cell phone. And I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And yeah. you don't need, you don't even need data, you know, what it was. You don't need metadata. You just need the, the usage. Yeah, just whether or not they're they're using it, which is, I'm guessing there's probably a lot of different ways to figure that out. I'm sure somebody will figure out some kind of malicious use for this, but uh, <laughs> I, it was it was kind of cool. Like I'm pretty sure I could just I could be uh, with you know like a 99.9 percent uh, confidence. I could be um, you know if you had a, a list of different usage patterns, you could tell which one was me. And uh, it looks like that's the case probably for most people. Yeah, it also. Uh, they also had people estimate how often they thought that they checked their phone mm-hmm. and then compared to with what their actual was because they had the usage. Yeah. And they said the average person thought they checked their phone 37 times a day. Yeah. But the actual times was uh, 85 times a day. Mm. So people look at their phones a lot more than they think about. And uh, that got me thinking about like if you have like a Microsoft Band or an Apple Watch or whatever, Android, Android uh, Wear, Wear yep. um, you know, you're probably just cutting down on those times when you don't think that you're checking it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that you still use your phone the same amount, but you'd, you'd remove those times from those numbers. Yeah. When I'm wearing one of those devices, I only end up checking my phone 37 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, uh, what do we got next here? Android N and beyond to ditch Oracle's Java for open source version. So, yeah, one question I had for you before the show, and you answered this for me, but this, um, because this thing was talking about open JDK and and Java, like the official, quote unquote, official Java, and and I'm I'm not a Java guy, so all all I can really compare it to is .NET. So. You know, with .NET, there's like the official Microsoft.NET, and then there's Mono. So you said um, that OpenJDK is sort of analogous to to Mono. It's like an open source version, um, you know, that's allegedly compatible. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and like you, I, I'm not fully up to it, and and I would just say in spirit they're the same. I'm sure yeah. there's quite a few differences uh, between them and how yep. they work. But either way, uh, OpenJDK is an unencumbered version. Uh, Google has been pressed by a lot of different places, especially Oracle, for using uh, Java or something like Java. And this kind of just gets them, you know, out of the the legal crosshairs or at least as, you know, moves them a little further away. Yeah. So Java must not be open source then, huh? No, no. That's that's it was started by Sun. Yeah. And uh, when Oracle bought uh, Sun, they inherited um Java along with it. So they own all the copyrights. They own everything about it, just like how Microsoft owns everything. But Microsoft's been a little bit more open on who can use it. And uh, yeah, well, the specification was open and then, and then now the whole thing's, or at least I think most of it, if not all is, is open source. So yeah, come on, Java, what are you waiting for? That would be interesting too. Would, Would Google end up switching back if, if Java was open source all of a sudden? Um, it'll be interesting to see if this causes many issues, um, you know, if they have like reliability issues and, you know, they sort of have some regressions that they have to go through and fix, but I suppose that gives them more power to fix them as well. Yes. Uh, up for grabs. What's up for grabs, Carl? So I thought this site was great considering a lot of people this time of year make new year's resolutions. And, uh, one of your resolutions could be, you know, I want to get more involved in a community. I want to commit code to an open source project. Mm-hmm. Well, what up for grabs.net. And that's with a dash between each word. Mm-hmm. Um, that website will let you know projects that have, um, you know, either tasks or bug fixes that are somebody new to the project would be able to handle. So if you think of it this way, this is saying, hey, these are projects that want people to help. And not only that, but they've been so thoughtful as, hey, we're, we're carving out a bunch of these that if you don't know much about our project or maybe even this language or, you know, this structure, this is something that you could do. And it might ease you into, you know, being, uh, you know, a more uh, engaged person in open in open source. So I thought this was really cool. And uh, of course, uh, their website itself is on this page. So I thought they were at first, I thought they were just searching for like up for grabs in GitHub, but I'm looking through and it looks like there, there really is no quote unquote standard tag for, um, you know, sort of easy stuff. It looks like, uh, some people call it easy fix. Some people call it, please contribute help Uh, wanted. Yeah. Jump uh, in. Yeah. Jump in junior job. <laughs> oh, that's kind of mean. Uh, simple task, uh, good first bug. Um, so yeah, I think they're, they're just trying to, they're trying to aggregate all these things, jump in. Um, darn. Okay. So, and I'm wondering, yeah. uh, and this is across pretty much every different kind of technology. I mean, oh, yeah. Microsoft stack, language, PHP, yeah. JavaScript. Um, so yeah, there's a lot there. I assume I can submit something. Oh yeah. So I suppose this page is right on, on uh, GitHub. So you could just um, go in there. Oh yeah. And right at the bottom, I didn't even know this, this says we suggest the tag up dash four dash grabs, 
but using a different name is also acceptable. So I guess that's kind of a tip as well. If, if you have um, some easy tasks that, that people um, could complete for you, um, you know, mark it with uh, up for grabs and sort of use a, a, you know, a standard tag structure so that people can search for those things. Cool. Okay. Next uh, was cake build. So this was uh, suggested by Matthias Carlson. Um, he sends me all sorts of messages on uh, Twitter. He's, he's at dev lead and uh, he just mentioned, Hey, check this out. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if he's involved in this. Um, oh yeah, he is. I just, you know what? I just looked at the copyright. He's in the names. So he is. <laughs> so good work. Um, so yeah, he, apparently he's been working on this. This is really cool though. So it's uh it's cake cakebuild.net, but it's, um, it's basically like cross-platform build automation system. And it, it has a, um, a C sharp syntax and you can, it's sort of a fluent interface. So I went in and I looked at some of the samples. Let me see if I can find it here. So like one here task, and then you pass in like a, a task name, um, is dependent on, and you pass in another task name does, and you, you know, it uses lambdas and, you know, so it's a nice DSL, a nice domain specific language that you can use for, for your build system. And I think it's pretty cool that it's cross platform. So if you're on a Mac, for example, there's just a different set of scripts to sort of bootstrap this thing and to, uh, to go through and run this. Um, so I haven't, I haven't figured out like personally where I would use this yet. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, cause it's, it's kind of a pain doing like MS build XML or, or that type of thing. Um, I typically, uh, I'm, I'm usually using, um, uh, gulp, you know, cause I'm doing JavaScript stuff. Uh, but this is kind of a, a neat way of doing, uh, you know, C sharp .net related things. looks like it has support for running tests and I'm sure it has all the, the standard tasks built in. Any comment yeah, on that, Carl? No, I just wanted to say because it's using, you know, Roslyn and the mono compiler, not only yeah. is it cross platform, but it's using all of the latest, you know, uh, technical abilities that that's out there. So if yep. you want to use some of that crazy syntactic sugar that comes with something like C sharp, C sharp six or .NET native, um, that's all there. Cool. Which is really awesome stuff. Okay. So I just wanted to mention that one. And then for our last news story, MS Dev Show hardware update. Oh, this was my post. I think I know something about this. Um, so this is a bit meta, but uh, people people tend to love this stuff, though. And and there's a lot of podcasts that they just don't talk about. It. And some will be like, oh, no, we're just never going to talk about that. Uh, but we'll talk about it. So um, I just went through and kind of updated the hardware that we use for the show. And the general theme is that we've actually removed hardware and made things uh, simpler. Because um, we've just had a big push to to make it easier and easier to 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 create an episode. Because we want to focus on the episode, on our day jobs, on our family, uh, you know, all those things. So I, we don't want to sit here and edit and deal with you know hardware and com- complexity and that kind of thing. So really, the biggest thing was removing this giant compressor gate limiter that each of us had, and we basically do it in post production. Um, so you know, in my first post, because uh, I had a post on this a year ago. I'm talking about a piece of software he's called Auphonic Multitrack Processor. Well, it, en- it ended up doing all the work that our hardware was doing. So we just said, okay, let's just do it all in software. Um, and it, it does really smart things. Like if I'm talking and, you know, you have a kid screaming in the background or more likely vice versa, um, or maybe the odds are the same, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> then it will, it will mute the, the track with the scream. It'll be like, oh, you know what? There's a person talking on the first track and the other one is screaming, which is, Really cool because if we have a, a guest that has a whole bunch of noise on their track, um, they'll basically be muted whenever they're not talking. Um, it also do a really good job of removing the noise and things like that. So we're just relying on that software more and more. 
Um, one of the cool things that we added to our workflow though, was this, these hardware recorders, we bought one of these things and these things are just like pure magic. They're just, they're just insanely awesome. Uh, it's basically a recorder with a built-in mixer and it will do six track. It'll, it'll record six tracks simultaneously via XLR. We originally bought these for a conference, but, um, now what we're using them for when we're not at conferences is we use it to record each of our tracks in addition to the computer. So I could I could literally shut down my computer right now. I, well, this has actually saved us on at least two episodes where I've had computer yeah. issues, either either running out of battery or your levels are bad, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just just anything could go wrong. I could literally shut down my computer right now, and obviously I wouldn't hear Carl, <laughs> so it wouldn't. <laughs> but be I the, could keep talking, and if as long as I did that, yeah, until, uh, yeah, we got back, nobody would notice. Probably wouldn't be a good episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, we, we can actually record an episode without a computer. And if we are in the same room, uh, we can actually just both hook into one of these. Uh, so it's just, it's just amazing. This, this is the way to make sure that you're not losing your recordings. And we bought, you know, like really good micro SD cards. And we always, we always end up buying the high end of everything. Uh, cause we don't, we don't want to waste our guest time. Um, just going through it real quick. We bought better cables. The cables we had turned out to be crap. Um, there was some crackling whenever you would move the ends around on, on at least one of them. So my tip there, cut it, throw it away, uh, buy good cables. And the funny thing is I think our new cables are like eight bucks. So it's not like we're spending hundred dollars on a cable, but these cables are much better. Um, better headphones, which isn't, uh, probably isn't as interesting. You can look at my blog post for that. And then we switched to, um, th- this is sort of going backwards from what most people do. Most people use like mic stands and then they get a, they end up, you know, uh, switching to like boom arms so you can move the mic out of the way. But honestly, like again, simpler is better. And we both use mic stands now. So I just have a mic that's, that's on a stand and I can just move it, you know, to the back of my desk when I'm not using it hardly takes up any space. There's not all these giant springs that can get screwed up. And, you know, basically my boom arm ended up just breaking. Um, and you know, it's just complexity we don't need. Um, and then the last thing was, um, we sort of talked about this early in the show was, uh, guest gifts. So, you know, we bought, we actually bought an absurd amount of, uh, MS dev show M&Ms. We bought custom M&Ms cause we, we, we wanted, you know, really novel things. Um, and then our plan right now, and this is subject to change is to get, uh, MS dev show mouse pads and also MS dev show notebooks and basically all customized with our logo on them. And, you know, we just thought like, what, what would we want to have, you know, as, as computer geeks that, that tend to buy whatever we want, you know, what can we get that's sort of novel and, and shows our appreciation for our guests. So I have that information in the blog post as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's just sort of a quick overview of that. And I have the details and pictures in the blog post. And, you know, just as a, just a quick recap, I mean, we get commented, uh, comments quite a bit about how much people like our audio quality. And to be, to be honest, it's not hard to do as long as you're willing to invest a little bit, a good microphone and then backups. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I took a picture basically of all my gear. Um, the only thing missing in it is the, um, I use this, uh, vocal isolation booth, but, um, my picture doesn't include that. I have it further down the post, but really it's just a microphone going, you know, going into a, a splitter, which ends up going into a USB interface for the computer. And then it also goes into the, the hardware recorder and that's it. <laughs> that's really technically all you need. So while those individual components are pretty expensive, it's, you know, it's actually not that expensive overall, uh, to get really good audio quality. Okay. So what we decided to do here for, for the topics is basically we said, okay, Carl and I will each come up with 
three or so topics. And I think that's what we both ended up with. So we each have about three topics and, uh, you know, just sort of mini topics that don't really warrant a whole episode, but that, you know, just, we think about a lot and we just thought it'd be cool to talk about. And if people find them interesting, then, uh, that would be a big bonus. Okay. So what is your, uh, what is your first one here, Carl? So, you know, I've been slowly delving a little bit more and more into the Apple side of things. And, uh, so my first two are kind of related. So the first one is Windows 10 features that Apple needs to steal. So, you know, at the heart of it, I still there's a lot of things that I prefer how Microsoft does things and mm-hmm. Apple just needs to do a better job. And I know you had a few things that you kind of injected into my notes here. Yep. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I, not, I can't help but butt in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what Apple calls it. I know everybody else does. I think the dock or whatever. Yep. I think that is the most annoying, obnoxious, <laughs> you know, fail. The dock is a failure. Yeah. And I I really like how the taskbar is. I I know it's not perfect, but Apple needs to, you know, move that direction. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, um, you know, one of the the big things is like on a Mac, you you click on something in the taskbar and then you go, oh, crap, that wasn't the right thing. Right. So you, you you're sort of restoring it, I guess, is the Windows terminology. And then if you click it again on Windows, it will actually minimize it. So you can you can sort of flip through your windows really quickly by doing that. You know, if you make a mistake, you can quickly undo it on the dock. It just does nothing. Like you click it a second time. It does nothing. And I just think it's a lost opportunity when you, when you just don't implement that stuff. And I don't, I don't, it doesn't make anything more for people to learn because you don't have to use it if you don't want to. So I think, I think anytime that they, they leave anytime they, you know, uh, you know, either Microsoft or Apple um, is just missing something that's on the other platform like that. I think it's just silly. Yeah. And I, I know once again, if you're on the Mac side, you you've worked around this or whatever, but you know, windows management, uh, you know, I want a button to like close the application from the window. <laughs> That's crazy. Carl, why would you want to close something? You know, I know, you know what I like? I like some mystery in my close button. <laughs> so yeah, there's three dots. What's going to happen when I click them? I don't know. Yeah. Three like bubbles. So, so you're hitting on one of my, one of my pet peeves in, in OS 10 and Apple people will, and we're probably, we're going to get like so many people. So we're going to get so much hate mail from this. Cause I, I complain about this all the time. And, and, and people who are, are big Apple people, they will just, they will defend this to the death, no matter what. Um, and, and they will, if you keep talking about it, they, they will essentially agree, but they will still defend it to the death. The fact that whenever you hit the close button in an application on a Mac, you don't know what it's going to do. And every Mac person will go, no, 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 no. I know what it'll do. Okay. What does it do? It closes the Something app. Something different every uh, time. No, it doesn't close the app. <laughs> if you're in calculator, it closes the app. If you're in Chrome, it doesn't. Like the, the, the fact that it's inconsistent behavior, you can never predict what it's going to do, I think is just absolutely ludicrous. And there are actually utilities out there that can make it so that whenever you hit the close button in a window, it will close your window. Um, so that's, that's how absurd it is. So I'm expecting a whole bunch of hate mail on that, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, I think that's silly. I think close should be, should be close. Okay. What do you got next, Carl? Well, you, you had a one in here called split screen. Oh yeah. yeah. So (laughs) this is actually pretty funny. So I I can't remember the name of it is a windows, but you drag, you drag a window to the left or the right. Right. And it's smart snap. Yeah. Well now it's smart snap and actually it's awesome in windows 10 because you put something there and it goes, Hey, what do you want on the other side? Which, um, is, is annoying for me 20% of the time, but 80% of the time I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so it's, it's just like a huge productivity boost. Um, but, but being able to snap those things is just awesome. So on, uh, 
In the latest version of OS 10, they added this feature, or at least they advertise that they added this feature. The catch, and this is this is what drives me crazy about them, is they just they just do like half of the feature. It only works with full screen apps. So you basically, you know, have to be in full screen mode where the app is taking up the entire screen. Then you can make it, you can put it into split screen. They did not, Apple was too lazy to implement it where you could drag it to the side when you were not in full screen view and have it take up half the screen. Um, And again, there are utilities to fix this. Anytime there is like a whole bunch of utilities, uh, you know, you should look at that and say, okay, do I want this to be do I want utilities to fill this gap or should this be in the OS? And I think this is one of those cases where um, it just should be in the OS. So it's just stupid. <laughs> okay. What do you got next? Uh, I'm going to say I, I have a bunch that are related to iOS in, in particular. Oh, okay. Uh, the first one is icon notification numbers. That just drives my OCD wild that you <laughs> see these red dots with numbers in them all over the place. They just grab so much attention on top of the icon. Yeah. And then it's even worse if you have a folder, it like adds them all up. Like somehow <laughs> five random apps that I decided to put in the same folder, like, hey, now I need to add them together. That's just crazy. Yeah. You know, on on Windows, um, when you have them, it's a, it's more subtle, you know, it, you know, it's just, it's kind of in the background almost when I want to look at them, they mean something. And if I don't want to check something, I don't have this big red dot in my way saying, Hey, look at me. Yeah. Well, iOS is just, I think everybody agrees is completely, well, I guess everybody doesn't agree. Most people agree. It's just completely backwards so in the way that, what was that? So me and you. Yeah, <laughs> it's we back, agree. you know, the, 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 the home screen is just, is just, you know, it's from 2007. Um, it, it has almost not changed whatsoever. So that's a remnant from that on windows phone. Um, that's one thing that they do so right is being able to just show you instead of saying like, I have five things that might or may or may not be important. It actually says like, ah, oh, here's some information you might be interested in. You can just see it. You don't have to jump in. It doesn't doesn't trigger your OCD like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, you can just you know evaluate it. And speaking of you know just seeing what you want to see, uh, live tiles. Um, oh, I, I don't even care if that they, one. <laughs> I, I don't even care if they keep you know an icon. Just make it a live icon, which can be updated periodically. I love uh, the kinds of information that can be brought up on on the live tiles, and that's um, I think the best feature of Windows Phone. Yeah, pre so. pre iOS seven. You know, it's funny because I, you know, I, I've used an iPhone quite a bit. I use an iPhone all the time. Um, but I still, you know, I, I would always make fun of people. Um, you know, even when I was using an iPhone, um, I'd say, Hey, what, what time actually it was more when I was using a windows phone. Cause I would say, Hey, what, what temperature is it? And they'd be like, you know, cause I'd say, Hey, on, on windows, it shows me what the temperature is. And they're like, Oh, so, so does my phone. I'm like, let me guess it's 73 degrees and sunny. You know, cause the, the weather icon would always say that. And Apple's proven that you can animate these things. The clock and the calendar actually show live information. So, uh, I don't know what, what's going on there. Are they, I wonder if they're going to get their act together and, um, show us some more meaningful, meaningful information uh, through more than just a badge. Yeah. And I think the most useful keyboard is on Windows Phone. They need to steal how that works in every way, <laughs> shape, and form. I agree, one thousand percent, including the autocorrect in there. Because yep. I, I don't know what's up with iOS's autocorrect, but it's yeah, it's out there to get you. If you look online, you see those memes where like people just have screenshots of of you know what their autocorrect fails are. Yeah. It's always iOS. It's like, it's like your dad is dead. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Sorry, dad died. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
No, but I could I could type so much faster. Um, the alternate keyboards that you can get on iOS, uh, they all seem quirky. Whatever APIs that they use, Apple just isn't. I don't know. There's something that's not letting them be as performant as they need to be. Yep. Uh, the Windows Phone one, you, whether you tap or you swipe, um, it just it works great. Yep. Um, including the little on um, on the Windows 10 mobile, they have a little icon where you can move the cursor over, like just you know one or two at a time. And uh, I know there's a lot of times on Apple where a developer will highlight something for you, and I can't unhighlight it for the life of me. I'll be tapping there for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Especially if it's a whole screen. Just so I can un, untap yeah. whatever that they've done. It's really annoying. Don't you love it when it's a whole screen? Because then it's like everything you, you can't, you can't tap not on it, right? Yeah. It comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's especially like on my Twitter. Yeah. My Twitter client. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot on, they just like, Hey, I'm going to put some information here and highlight it. So you can, you know, delete it or something if you don't want it. But yeah. a lot of times I want to leave that there. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know, sell your ideas. Yeah. What I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to, to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is, is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos, so you can try it out for a month, download the demos, and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. So let's right. uh, let's flip this around now. So Apple features that Windows needs to steal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're ragging on Apple before, but there's a lot that they do right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Just with the phone, um, the device parity. I mean, they Apple just has rock solid hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, the features that they have, where you can get calls and messages, and even make them from your from your uh, computer. I mean, Windows is starting to get that, but it's really flaky and kind of just doesn't work all the time or ten mm-hmm. percent of the time. Um, Apple just does a real good job making sure that works everywhere, um, and including with that, you know, Skype. You know, they're trying to integrate that with Messenger and stuff like that on the phone, but it's nothing like iMessage and FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know like on Windows Phone, you can you can be in a call and you can convert that into a Skype call, correct? Yeah. I've seen that button in there. So, um, you know, I guess I, I've never tried that. I don't know how well that works, but, um, you know, I, I don't... It, 
I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't quite work the same way. It almost needs to be forced on you, to be honest. Like the way that the way that iMessage works is it says, Hey, this other person has iMessage. So you are using iMessage like, and that, that's <laughs> the way it will be. Um, and, and it, and you, you can do it without even thinking about it. And I know windows, um, I don't know what version it was. Windows phone used to work more like that. Seven. Way. Windows, yeah. Okay. Windows Phone Seven. You, you could hook Facebook Messenger, um, Skype, like a, just a bunch of them out of the box. You know, you know where I remember it from is the Palm Pre, <laughs> which is an awesome phone. But uh, yeah, the the Palm Pre was really where I used that, where I would be like texting somebody and then, or I'd be IMing somebody. They'd go offline and IM. All of a sudden, I'm texting them without even thinking about it. And um, you know, you could tell what the the mode of communication was. But it was just so awesome how transparent it was. Being able to switch between those is awesome. Um, you know, basically being able to to use whatever context they're you know the other person is using. So, you know, if I'm chatting with you, let's say it's over Facebook Messenger, and you cl- let's say you close Facebook, um, but I now, start texting you. Yeah, and let's say maybe you switch over to Mac. I don't know, and you're using iMessage or or I don't know, you know, some third. I guess they're they're that's a pretty closed ecosystem, but you should be able to just sort of roam around and choose how you're chatting, and ideally all those things should be synchronized. But at the at the very minimum, it should be easy to do because I I hate this whole thing like, hey, I want to I want to text my friend Joe. Or I want to message my friend Joe, right? And it's like, hmm, what does he have? Is is he a Facebook Messenger guy or is he a Skype guy? Like, you know, those kinds of things are are kind of a pain. So it almost need it almost needs you know I hate to say it, but it almost needs to be kind of forced on the user where it it, it does that auto detection. Like, hey, I see you're going to text this person, but they do happen to have Skype. Do you want to use that instead because we can give you a little bit more uh, um, interactive experience? So yeah, make it make it better. <laughs> uh what do you got next carl so in windows uh 10 we got the multiple uh vir- multiple virtual desktops Woo-hoo! greatest and thing ever it's awesome except how to switch between them conveniently and all they you need to don't. do <laughs> yes you don't uh <laughs> The one thing Apple does great is you have that three finger swipe on your on your trackpad and it just switches your just steal that Microsoft. I, yeah. You know, if they got a patent, pay them. Oh, come on, Carl. I just say, hey, Cortana. Hey, oh, geez. I'm, I'm probably like activating how much people's Cortanas, including my own. But then they're like desktop number two. No, I don't. I don't think Cortana. No, does that. no. Cortana is no. still listening to me, by the way. Cancel. <laughs> Cancel (laughs) (laughs) exit internet shut down. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) but no, you're you're totally right. That, that, that three finger gesture, there's no way that that's like, there's no way that there's any reason why you can't copy that. So, and, and that would just be another thing that the devs who have gone over to the Mac side, it would make it an easier transition on the way back. So there's nothing but upside to doing this Microsoft. Yep. Copy it. Get, it. get an intern on that. Heck, even if you get sued, you know, just do it. <laughs> like, like you know, there's a there's a time and a place uh, to get sued. Yeah. And it's worth it over that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and since we're talking about trackpad, just trackpad tech in, in, in general, Apple's trackpads are the best. Yeah. They're, they're just amazing to use. And even the best ones are like, everybody always says, oh, try this. It's just as good as, no, it's not. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't know what the secret sauce is, if it's a combination of the actual hardware and drivers and firmware, but we've got to figure this out. Yeah. It shouldn't be this far behind for this long. Yeah. And it's, you know, the gap keeps closing. Uh, so I, I think that helps, you know, the, the Surface Pro 4 I've been hearing is pretty good as well as the Surface Book. 
Um, and, and the, the lack of three finger swipe, um, you know, I, I guess I haven't, I haven't gotten a time to, I haven't gotten any time to spend with the surface pro four or the surface book. Um, I'd like to get the new cover. Cause I know you said it's a lot better. I'm hearing from everybody. It's a lot better. Uh, it's a lot better, but it's like half of a Mac trackpad, <laughs> which is still a lot. <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm just saying like, like in general, like they're halfway there. I mean, like even one of the best things, I mean, they're still miles away. Yeah. It's gotta be, um, some, I, I wonder, I wonder why that is. I just, I'm, I'm just baffled, you know? So you end up the, the, the answer to that. Well, other than just copying it and doing it and you know, whatever, some engineer will hopefully like, let us know the actual reason. I don't know if it's hardware or software or what, but anyway, the, the, the workaround is, um, you know, there are some nice mice. There's the, the Microsoft surface mouse, which, you know, folds flat and, and I got used to it mm. pretty quick and I use that for, you know, for my, uh, surface pro three, I think it's just a necessity at that point. You can use Bluetooth so you don't have a wire. Um, but you know, it's a shame that, uh, that you have to be driven to that. Yeah, I don't think adding hardware is the answer, though. No, <laughs> uh, no. Um, and 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 this last one, I I know is kind of impossible to get on, uh, but the lack of apps mm-hmm. on on Windows Phone and in the Windows Store. Um, yeah, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of you know people who are kind of you know senior level architect, mid level devs, average people on the street, people who have seen and used Windows Phone. A lot of people said, "Hey, I would love to, and I would do it in a heartbeat." But apps, and uh, until they figure that out, I think there's there's not much much hope for it, getting any mainstream acceptance of it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're always going to have diehards that are going to be buying it, and the enthusiasts and fans of it. Um, I think you know a lot of the UX is way better. It's a lot easier to go in and flow between apps instead of kind of I call it getting seasick in and out of apps all the time in the Apple one. Yeah. But, well, the win- the Windows Phone interface is just awesome, and I like everybody who uses it says the same thing. But um, yeah, we 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 need the apps, and I guess I would ask all the listeners of this show if you. Um, you know, those businesses that you love, if they're not making a windows app, just, just, you know, ask, ask for one, you know, so that hopefully that keeps picking up and, and people will start looking at that as, as a, um, a platform they want to be on. It, it frustrates me whenever people say, um, or whenever companies will be like, yeah, you know, download this app to your smartphone today <laughs> and you look and it's not on a windows phone. I know it's only a couple percent, but it's still, uh, it's just disappointing. Okay, what's yeah, your last big thing here? So the last thing is, you know, you know, I, I look at where I've been in my career, and I'm like, I I feel like I should be knowing more programming languages by now, and you know, I don't I don't know whether if that's just you know you know you know me being a little bit insecure about the few that I do know, but I do know them well, the ones that I do know, yeah. And I'm talking about stuff like you know, you know, like Rust, Go, um. Swift, you know, some of the new ones, but even like PHP, well, not so much PHP, yeah. but like Perl, <laughs> Perl, Python. I mean, some of those, you know, ones that, you know, you talk to anybody in the Unix community and they're like, oh, you could do this, you know, in no time like that. Yeah. Python seems to be getting a lot more mindshare these days. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying I need to go out and learn them all, but, you know, I've had a few weeks off and it's not, you know, me like sitting down planning what I'm going to be doing, but I had a little bit of time of, you know, retroflection. I'm like, well, I'm not going to go out and make any, you know, definite promise to myself or new year's resolution, but I would like to, if I have some free time to go explore some of these languages that I don't use all the time and 
because I, I often hear that when you do learn things, especially if they're fundamentally different, if, you know, like uh, if they're like a functional versus, you know, uh, language versus um, like the C style languages, um, there's a lot of paradigms that are different. And when you come back to yours, you know, you can bring some of those new paradigms and styles with you to make yourself a better developer. Yeah, that's and, that's what I would try to do is try to cover all those different paradigms. So, you know, like there's the there's the C type uh, programming languages, you know, you got like C sharp and C plus plus and there's a lot of derivatives of that. And that's like one type of language. And, you know, they're fairly static. Um, definitely learn something dynamic. And I know, you know, some JavaScript and um, I'd also look at TypeScript, which sort of turns it back into, you know, like a C based language. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, every, every time I start to look at something that's dramatically different, I always try to pick a, like a kind of a polar opposite paradigm of the things that I know. You always pick up these things. And in some cases you come back to the the language that you, you work in the most and you're like, you know, this kind of sucks how this is done. And then you, you try to figure, you know, you try to bring, um, you know, some of those learnings from that other language over to, uh, you know, the language that you love. And one that we talked about on the show was that whole serialization thing where it's like, you know, whenever you, whenever you serial, deserialize things, um, into an object model, you know, not having to, um, either, you know, throw an exception or bomb whenever there's properties that you get to that you're not quite sure what they are. Um, you know, I picked, I figured out better ways to do that from JavaScript and TypeScript. And then when I, then in C sharp, you know, even though it's a little less natural, I have started looking at the dynamic keyword and it's like, okay, well I can make this work. I can, I can bring this coolness over to the language that I like. I think that's one of the big values there. Anything else you want to mention on that one? No. Okay. Now my topics, I got, uh, well, they're varying size here. So the first one, and this is from the, <laughs> the official 2016 MS dev show retreat. So we, um, I, you know, I had, I was talking to you and we, we talked about this on a, on a different episode, so a, a little bit more feedback. Well, so, uh, yeah. both of our families rented out like, uh, a spot at a hotel. So we got like yeah. a, like a condo or something. A villa. Yeah. It was a villa. a villa, whatever they call it. And, uh, so that's the context at this that we're in, we're both tech enthusiast people in a spot where we didn't have control over the infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is just like any other hotel where the Wi-Fi is just terrible, um, where you get the, you get the captive portal where you have to agree to those terms that, you know, I have no idea what those terms are. Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous because, you know, I don't know. I could just ask my kids to do it. Or, you know, what's funny is like on the windows platform, like it'll is in some case, it'll accept the terms for you. And it's like, what, what's the legality of that? I have no idea. But in any case, I, 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 I'm guessing there's like nothing interesting in there and there's really no reason why hotels really need to be doing that. So you get, you get past the captive portal and, and a lot of them I've seen use this uh, ethos stream system. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a standard like hotel system for doing this public Wi-Fi thing. And I, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's just always terrible. Even if, uh, you know, even if you get the premium Wi-Fi, it's still just terrible. Um, so I had this tip I, on the show before where I said, you, you know, use a VPN. So I was talking about this, uh, with you and it, or it talk, uh, to you at the villa and, uh, I turned it on and I, I'm just like, man, this seems like so much incredibly faster for like everything, browsing, Twitter, like everything was working better. Um, I was getting all these like connection timeouts whenever I had it turned off. So we did well, not only that, but like, uh, the kids who just had, you know, Wi-Fi tablets, they're like, man, the, the Wi-Fi is broken. 
Yeah. It was that slow. Yeah. These are like kids that are like, you know, 11, you know, and most of them were younger than that. And they're all like the Wi-Fi sucks. (laughs) So, you know, if they can tell, like we can really tell as, as tech enthusiasts. So, um, so what, what I ended up doing, uh, I, I wanted to actually do a real test and we didn't do a lot. So this isn't very scientific at all. I connected to the VPN. Uh, you connect to the Wi-Fi without the VPN. And, um, we both opened up Netflix and, and Netflix on mine opened in like two seconds on your phone. You know, you were stuck at like the Netflix screen for, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds. It was, it was felt like an eternity. Then we both went to the same show. We just picked an episode and we did a countdown and we both pushed play at the exact same time. And I want to say mine started after like five seconds, some, something like yeah, that. It was you, pretty quick. Yours was like a minute six. So it was, it was literally a minute longer before you started playing. And then even when it did play, the quality wasn't as good, you know, so they, they might be doing some kind of traffic shaping or whatever to, to change the way that looks, but, uh, or to, to, to do prioritization. But I just have this feeling, um, you know, in my experience, they're just, they're, their prioritization is just completely screwed up. Yeah. So, I mean, the lesson learned here is if you're using a VPN here, it's, you know, encrypting it so they can't do that kind of thing, whether it's actually looking at the packets and, you know, slowing down just Netflix or, or whatever it is that they're looking at, this kind of is a way to get around that until they start packet shaping anything that's encrypted, which would really suck. (laughs) Yeah. So they basically, yeah, the router says, I don't know what this is. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, not try to neuter whatever this is. Now I was thinking about this, you know, like what if everybody does this or is this unfair? And, and, but I'm just convinced that they're, they're just doing a terrible job at it. I mean, cause you, the internet for everything was unusable. Um, and this, and this fixed pretty much everything. Cause we, you know, we weren't actually uh, watching Netflix in this case. Uh, that was really just our test. Um, but I don't know. So it's just a tip for our listeners. Um, hopefully that whole system gets better and you know, we don't need this hacky workaround. Um, okay. Uh, next topic here is Microsoft 2016 requests. Okay. So, um, you know, we've just been, uh, promoted to co-CEOs of, uh, Microsoft. You just got, you just got hired as co-CEO Carl of uh, Microsoft and uh, we can make Microsoft do our bidding. So let's talk about what we want to do. <laughs> I thought this would be kind of a cool thought exercise. So the first one here, I know you disagree with some of these, so I'm curious which ones you disagree with. Cause I don't even know yet. Uh, but the first one here, um, and again, you know, I have like on these types of things, I have no insider knowledge. So I'm speaking as somebody who has no idea what's going on internally and I have no control over this. So I, my, my opinion just is useless here. Uh, but you know, you get to listen to it anyway. So the first thing is, uh, I sort of summed it up as sell boring things at cost and make money on interesting things. So, um, some of this has actually already started, right? So, so windows, um, it's maybe kind of rude to call it boring, but but in reality it is, it's not windows itself. Isn't very interesting. There's a lot of things that are on top of windows or, you know, things that necessarily, uh, aren't core to windows, even, you know, Cortana, I, I guess is like integrated into windows, but you know, it's not part of the, the core thing for actually running applications. Uh, but you know, windows is already free. And I think that makes sense because that's, that's sort of the boring part of things. What's interesting is all the things that you put on top of windows. And I think those are the things that are worth charging for. And that's where you get the partner ecosystem and you get all these cool applications and where Microsoft can make money. Um, another one, you know, um, is Xbox. Now, obviously Xbox isn't free, 
Um, but I think that I, I don't know what the cost is to to make this thing and develop it or whatever. And I don't know if they're they they're money. essentially losing money on on a device by device. Are they thing. really but, though? Yeah, because I, I don't I don't know what the bomb is. But so I mean, does it so really that, cost more than two hundred bucks to make an Xbox? So traditionally, um, and you know, I'm pulling from you know game marketing past the the very first version of let's just call it the Xbox One the the one that they ship on day one yeah they're losing money on oh those yeah they I ship know that them. totally totally and then and then like you know that two to four years later when they come out the next one that's kind of a a break even point you know the economies of scale be, go in their favor they can make things a little bit more cheaply they've redesigned things um, they're essentially you know at parity there and then if they ever do like a later one I think they may have done that with the 360. I mean, they're making small margins on those. Okay. Well, so that's my point. So, don't don't make anything on the hardware. Yeah. Because everybody what, what they knows. make money on what they make money on is the licensing to exactly. have a game. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Everybody knows that all the money is in the games. Well, since you know that, why you know why try to make money on the con- and I maybe I shouldn't be singling out Xbox here. It's just because we're talking about Microsoft. But um, you know, I'd say the same thing about uh, PS4. Uh, you know, like you know, we we know that they're uh, you know that they do. In, in, later in the life cycle, they make money on the, on the console, which seems just kind of silly. Sell it for the lowest price possible. In fact, you know, we see these things going on sale. I think Xbox, uh, what is the regular price now without connect? Is it 300? Uh, 300 yeah. 300 bucks. Yeah. And I think, I think it went on sale even less than that. Um, whatever that lowest price was like the price should never go up. It should only go down. So anytime there's a sale like that, make that price permanent. And heck I I'm Okay as, as new CEO of Microsoft, like even just losing money on those things, knowing that the first game that somebody buys, you know, we're going to make up the difference in that. Um, which kind of brings me to the next thing, which is the games. And again, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like a big gamer or anything, but one thing that seemed crazy to me was this transition to digital games. And, um, everybody was saying, you know, Hey, digital games are, are less money. Um, you know, cause that doesn't cost you anything to, to actually create the thing and you don't have to ship it. And there's this entire market called GameStop, right? Where people sell used games and where people buy, you know, whatever, right? So look at all the money that's in all of the GameStops. Let's, let's just destroy that entire industry and just make, you know, switch completely to digital. And the way that you do that is you, you basically lower the cost, which you can do because, you know, think about how much, I don't know, what is the, I wonder what the market cap of GameStop is. And maybe you don't even look at that. Like, what is the yearly uh, revenue of GameStop? So, so this this is one thing where you know I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to just stop and have a counterpoint here. I'm not going to okay. necessarily disagree, but um, I have a friend that I used to work with, and now this this guy is a tech luddite. I mean, mm-hmm. he ha- he hates tech really. Yeah. Um, but he is a video game enthusiast, and he misses the days that you can just buy a disc off somebody. And, and, and it's not so much that, you know, Hey, I have this physical thing in my hand. Yeah. It's the fact that I have a game and it works 20 years from now, I can pop it in the machine and it's going to work. Yeah. A lot of these are, are so connected nowadays that they're not going to work in five years. Cause they're just going to shut off the servers. And, and that's where, that's where I, th- I think where yeah. the, you know, where we're taking some of these games. Yes. It's nice to update them afterwards, but yeah. Well, now we also have 10 gig downloads on some of these games just before we can use them. Yeah. No. And, and that's frustrating. I think too. that's, I think that's a good point. And that's probably the only good point because, you know, I hear people, you know, I think you're that what you started saying was, you know, he wants to be able to buy a used game. And I, I just think that's, that's just 
complete crap because how much is a used game? 30 bucks? You know, what if all new games are 30 bucks? What if in, what if every single brand new um, you know, game for Xbox was actually $30? And maybe maybe that's too low. Maybe it should be 45, I don't know. But uh, you put it at that price, you you completely put um, all these, you know, the, the entire uh, secondary market for used games just completely goes under. But nobody cares because everybody would be paying less for games. Because right now, whenever you pay for a $60 game, some of your money essentially is going to build a brick and mortar place that is selling used games. I mean, that's the reality. That's where your some of your money goes there, whether you like it or not. <laughs> So I just think there's, to me, it looks like an inefficiency in the system. So I would have liked to have seen that. Maybe it's only a dollar and maybe I'm totally crazy. Maybe the games, maybe if we like eliminated GameStop, the games would be 59 bucks instead of 59.99. Well then, okay, then whatever, then it's okay for it to exist. But if the games could be 45 bucks, 50 bucks, um, and we could just end this whole thing, then that sounds good to me. Um, and yeah, the offline thing obviously is a, is a huge deal. Um, it, it would maybe, maybe the uh, actual discs then would be even higher than they are now, you know, just so that that market could still exist. And um, then we could take advantage of the inefficiency, but we could also charge um, them for. Yeah. Cause that's really, that's becoming a niche case, right? I mean, yeah. the, the people that have, I mean, I, I, I like to think that we're slowly solving the internet problem. Um, if you have that problem, it's unfortunate. I think that in and of itself is a problem. I think, I think blaming something else for that is, is, is a little bit unfair because every, you know, you're just going to be in a bad situation overall. If you have a uh, metered or slow internet, um, you're going to have lots of issues. I think blaming it on the game, um, you know, is, is somewhat fair, but you know, you should be looking at the real problem there too. Uh, okay. Well, we spent a lot of time on that one. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, dominate the premium market. So, you know, the, the surface book, the surface pro four, I'd like to see that keep happening. Like, I think if you look in, in just about every category, um, I, I think in, unless there's already an established leader and I think there should be competition here. I think Microsoft should be, should have the you know, high end product there, the, the best product in, in whatever category it is. You know, you should be able to buy, uh, maybe this is kind of crazy, but if I want to buy a thousand dollar phone that is like by far, you know, like the best phone hardware out there, like that should just be an option. Um, because then what ends up happening too, I mean, even, even though not many people end up buying it, um, it has higher margins. It ends up, I think, paying for, for the, for the higher end stuff. Um, it just, you know, it just gives people an answer to those things who want more, more, more. And we know that there's like no limit to what people will spend on these things too, right? $17,000 for a gold Apple watch. <laughs> like uh, maybe there should be a, a gold surface book, you know, for 20 grand. I don't know. See, this, this is why this is not my area of expertise, but uh, it just feels like in, in every category, there should be like some really high end product there that really just shows like the art of the possible. Um, this one I was just thinking about today, uh, focus on user voice and transparency. So what I would like to see is, you know, there's all these, and I, I think Microsoft as a whole keeps getting better and better at looking at user voice. I, you're, you're doing an awesome job. Actually, every time I complain about something, you say, go put it out in user voice <laughs> and I should be doing the same thing uh, because the engineering teams more and more are going out there. You know, using I, I, it. to be honest, I can't think of one team that isn't using user voice. You know, I'm sure right. at Microsoft there's somebody, Yeah, but nearly all of them are using user voice and 
implementing them. Yeah. So what I, what I would like to see, since I'm ruler of the universe now, I just got promoted from co-CEO to ruler of the universe, is I want to see like every quarter, I want to see a public response to the top 10 user voice requests for every product. So if I go out there, like I was looking at the the OneNote one today, but you know, pick your pick whatever Windows, pick whatever. There should be uh, quarterly a response to that. So it should be if the response should either be it's never going to happen, and here's why, um, and then just kill it, and then it won't be on the top ten anymore. Or you say yes, we are going to implement that, and we hope to have that implemented in this general time frame. And it's okay if it slips. Like that's that's the reality. Um, or you say like. Uh, you know, this, this is difficult. You know, we, we're not quite sure, you know, even though this is in the top 10, are you sure this is what you want? You know, so then it opens up that dialogue and that communication. I would love to see that. Um, so you it just, that's really just an increase in, in transparency and, um, and then just getting those arguments out there because, you know, the, the people on that team might say, well, we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And then the public could be like, well, you know what, that's actually not true because of, you know, one, two, and three. And then the product team's like, oh, that's a good point. Okay. And then they implement it. You know, I'd love to see that kind of dialogue. Uh, what do we have next year? Oh, look, look at competition for inspiration. So, you know, this was sort of uh, the same thing that you had talked about. Like, I just think that, um, you know, whenever I've been in product development, I've, I've always tried to ignore the competition completely. I never really wanted to look at that, look at the competition for fear of sort of copying them. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important to look at competition, not for the purpose of copying, but just, just to see like what the table stakes are and to see, um, you know, just, just to give you more ideas. And this is even going back to the languages we talked about, right? You know, if you're, if you're a big C sharp person, uh, look at JavaScript, look at Python, look at Ruby. Um, and it's not that you're going to, you know, like try to like paste the lines of code from those languages in your own language, but go out there and say, you know what? It is kind of cool if we just relax our type system a little bit, like great things happen. Um, so, you know, I just love in, this is just sort of a general thing. Look at the competition, um, and see what general things you can get out of, out of inspiration. I think this, I'm sure this happens a little bit, but I would like to like to see it a more broad basis. Um, and it looks like you just added something quality explain. Yeah. So, you know, this is a little bit more apparent on, I'd say like the phone side of things, but Mm -hmm. you know, Microsoft has gone to a much more agile approach, a much quicker way of developing software. And it seems like there are a lot of issues that are getting by that really are kind of unacceptable in, um, kind of consumer products when Mm -hmm. you get out you know, which is what these are all are at the end of the day. And, um, the phone in particular, when you look at like the, the 950, 950 XL, I've heard of just tons of, um, people who are getting a lot of common issues, maybe like, uh, random reboots, um, or just, you know, failure to make a call or get cut off in the middle of a call. I mean, some of those things, I mean, these, these are phones, they need to make a call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I was going you know, to say, it's okay. It's okay for them to break a little bit, but then, you know, no. the whole, the whole upside to the agile thing is, is fix it quicker too. Yeah. And, um, you know, another thing I heard, uh, over this holiday break, I don't even know if this is even, uh, you know, fixed yet, but there's a lot of developers complaining that in-app purchases were just broken across the board. Yeah. I mean, so for something as fundamental to you, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of people, you know, 
they make their whole, you know, income being an independent developer. If that's your case, I mean, that really hurts when you have downtime of, you know, even a, a day, but much less like a week. Um, that that's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to go nitpick on any, you know, individual person or team at Microsoft in this way, because I know a lot of them, you know, really do care and really put a lot into it. But as a whole, I mean, you know, when it comes to we, yes, we do need new features, but we also need these to be rock solid. We need to compete with what's app with what Apple is putting out, with what Google is putting out, and it needs to be better. So, you know, like you said, this is, you know, like if we can make Microsoft do our bidding, you know, hey, let let's get these new features out and have them the put the time in to them to be, you know, just fully fleshed out and rock solid. Yeah. If that takes more resources, whatever. Yeah, that's probably that it's probably easier to say than it is to fix. You know, because you want, you know, you want you want to be able to move fast and you want to be able to fail fast, but then you need to be able to fix quicker and and with the right group. I know the insider program is obviously a big step forward with that. So being able to, you know, it's a group of people that are willing to like have a have a call that doesn't work halfway through every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so that everybody else, you know, does have good calls. So again, you're you're failing quick in that insider ring. And then you're um, fixing it even quicker whenever it goes into production. So I think you know Windows Windows 10. I don't. It's not even released for the phone, right? It was. Oh it, yeah, it's out. Yeah, well, it's out. But I mean, it's not. Is, is it RTM? I don't even. I'm not even sure. Yeah, it RTM'd in November. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, by that at, at that point, once it gets out of that insider ring, then it should be. Um, um, yeah, it should be of 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 extremely high quality. So I wonder if we're just going to have to wait uh, a few cycles for the, to see that improve. So why don't you give us an update in six months on that, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one here, um, and this, this sort of fits with the theme of a lot of this and we're, we're sort of sounding like, um, you know, there's, there's a big overarching theme here of looking at all these, all these different platforms. And, and really whenever we, Whenever we set out to the show, we called it the the MS Dev Show because we want it to be focused on Microsoft developers, which we are, right? We're we're but, developers. But at the sa- yeah, we're, yeah. Go ahead. But but at the same time, we also made sure that if you look at the website and you look at some of the Google searches, we we did put in you know the the wording that th- these are topics that a Microsoft developer would be interested in. Yeah. And when you look at you know that what runs in Visual Studio. Um, you can write Objective C in Visual Studio. Yep. What can you hook into Azure? Well, you can hook Linux into Azure. You know, half you know, a good chunk of Linux is Azure, or Azure is Linux. Mm-hmm. Oh well, when you start looking at stuff like that, well, you know, the scope of what Microsoft is isn't just the Microsoft stack. So, you know, we call it the MS Dev Show. That's a little bit tongue in cheek. I mean, we do like Microsoft. I mean, heck, Jason works there. Mm-hmm. I'm a Microsoft MVP. We do have a little bit of a bias, but at the same time, I, you know, we have um, multiple device types. Um, I have a Surface. I also have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, actually, I have all the phones, but um, <laughs> that's that, that is like my every, main drive. You have like every phone in existence. It probably yeah, and you, uh, and 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 the thing is, you're you're still you're a Microsoft developer, and you want from that perspective, you want to be able to make phone or make apps for everything. Um, but so the reality is that that most people out there mix device types. You know, whether it's uh, an iPhone mixed with Windows. Or, you know, I don't know, just you, you have an Xbox, but you use Apple products. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, or, or you may have, you know, 
get iPhones for yourself, but you might get your kids, you know, Kindle fires cause they're cheap. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we got, a, I got a stack of Kindle fires here. Um, you know, cause they were, they were 35 bucks, which is I'm, my mind is just still blown that, uh, you can make something for $35. But anyway, so the reality is everybody mixes multiple device types. So, um, you know, sort of my last topic here is just being objective by trying to use everything, you know, as a developer. Um, I, there, there have been times in my life, you know, I, uh, there've been times in my life when I, I sort of siloed myself into, into certain things. And I, I think one of the big themes we've had on the show is like getting, getting out of your comfort zone and trying some different things, you know, going back right to the beginning, you know, if you're a C-sharp developer, uh, use a different language. So in this case, you know, just, just try using everything, you know, try using some of these other device types. And I've talked to a lot of people and I, it probably happens in like the, the MVP space. And then also at Microsoft where you have a lot of people that, that insist like, well, you, you know, the only way to be a, a proper employee or MVP or whatever is to only touch Microsoft products. You know, your fingers, fingers will burn if you use something else. And I, I encounter those people. Um, and, and I, I, I think that's just, I think that's just a horrible, horrible way of, of looking at things. I mean, being a, being a fanboy isn't really going to help anybody. Um, I think, um, being somebody who tries everything and tells everybody what's great about it is, is so much more, uh, useful to everybody. Well, and another thing that you actually told me a few weeks ago that I really agree with, but mm-hmm. as somebody who's looked at as a community leader, if you just sit there and say Microsoft everything, <laughs> well, you know, you're not going to be seen as trustworthy as you, as if you recommend, you're like, you know what, you know, this device here, that's not Microsoft's or this service or whatever, use that. Yeah. It's the best. And it gives you actually more credibility. Yep. Absolutely. When, when, when you can be seen as, Hey, this guy, you know, he generally likes Microsoft, but he's recommending these other things. You know, I can look to him as somebody who can look beyond the Microsoft sphere. Yes. We may look there first, mm-hmm. but these are, you know, places, you know, these are people that, you know, actually just care about tech. A couple months ago, I was talking to a few devs at a partner and I went in and it was funny. I, I took my, it was my, I took my surface pro three. I didn't take my Mac in. And, um, you know, I use windows probably 90% of the time. Um, so I, I took my surface pro three in, and, um, we actually didn't use it at first. They, I think they had some compute, they had a computer there and, and they assumed I wanted to show them a website that I had built It's my arm website. And they opened up, uh, it was either IE or edge. And, um, I had a, you know, since I, I actually developed the thing in, in Chrome, so occasionally there's a bug that makes it not quite work right now. I've been much better about that lately, but I actually had a bug that made it so it didn't work in Internet Explorer. So they're like, well, it's not working. So I said, well, switch over to Chrome. And they were like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, they're like, they're like you're allowed to use Chrome? I said, yeah, that's fine. And, and of course, that was the browser that they use. So they switch over to Chrome and it works fine. And and I was telling them the technologies involved. It was all open source technologies. Um, you know, It was all on GitHub and they were just completely blown away. Come to find out, they were you know, they were all Mac users that, that were using, uh, um, Amazon web services. And I said, yeah, this runs in Chrome and this is for developing some, you know, Azure functionality. And then I started talking about the great things about Azure and they were, I mean, they came into that and they even, they even told me this, that they, they came in, basically they weren't going to listen to what I had to say because I, they thought I was the, the person that unconditionally uses Microsoft technology. But by going in there and, and using kind of the, the best of, of each technology, 
they actually trusted my opinion at that point. And then they started looking at Azure. And then after that, then I'm sure they'll start looking at, well, you know, maybe, maybe windows isn't so bad. And maybe, uh, you know, let me start looking at a surface book that that's kind of a cool device and it actually has touch and, you know, these other things. So I think it's, uh, you know, about setting up the, the right gateway drugs to get people to come over and, and, uh, yeah. And making sure that your opinion can be, can be trusted that you're not just uh, faking the whole thing. Um, and then just kind of one comment on that too. Um, I always get a kick out of this cause I, I occasionally will take, uh, I'll take a Mac laptop into a meeting, uh, at Microsoft and, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll get these people that'll be like, Oh, well, you know, you're such a traitor. You know, they don't, they don't say that, but you know, you just like can see it in their eyes or they, they'll mention something. And it's funny because, um, you know, if you look at, if you look around the room, a lot of times it's like Lenovo, HP, Dell, those aren't Microsoft machines either. Cause guess what? I mean, we're in a day and age now where I don't think the hardware is important anymore. And when I say that, it's not that, you know, like I want a good trackpad and I want like, you know, lots of memory and a fast computer, but the, the, you know, kind of your OEM that you're picking from, like, it doesn't, it doesn't even, I don't think it matters anymore. Like who you, who you are picking. Um, just pick whoever, you know, makes good hardware at that time. And, um, and I would almost go so far to say that your operating system isn't that important either, either, right? No matter what platform you're on, if you, if you can find the the services and, and the software that you want, you know, if you're using an iPhone, um, Satya at the Salesforce conference, he showed his and he said, oh yeah, this is the, um, uh, the iPhone pro. And he showed, you know, 30 different Microsoft applications on there. I just thought that was really cool because the operating system just, it isn't that important anymore. Um, it's just one small piece to the puzzle that used to be where all the money was, but you know, now it's that part's free. Nobody, you know, nobody really cares about that too much anymore. Um, it's about what you can do with it. So there you go. (laughs) Should we move on, Carl? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Azure pick of the week. So this week I picked powerapps.com. So speaking of cross-platform, uh, so this is pretty cool. So you actually build this using a windows app. And I think that might be the only way today to do this. I, I guess I, I didn't, I didn't look too much. I just was trying to get, you know, up and running as fast as possible, but it's a, um, I believe it's a UWP app. Um, so I installed on my desktop and you can actually build applications with this. So this is, this is like your, your business expert, you know, who, who is maybe a little bit technical, definitely not a developer. Um, they, they want to build some kind of line of business application. It has a bunch of different templates in there. Like if you want like a, a conference scheduling app or, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different templates in there like that where you can start with and you can build these applications super quick. If you pick a template, like the app is basically done whenever you create it and then it'll use, you know, like an Excel spreadsheet as a database or it can hook into a whole bunch of different things. Uh, but I did that. And then I ended up, um, I downloaded a Power Apps application onto uh, my iPhone, and then I deployed uh, that application over to my iPhone. So um, that was really cool because I just basically saved it to my desktop. Um, and then on the iPhone, the, the Power Apps application brought that up as kind of an internal business application right away. Um, I also built out a Logic Flow application so you can go in there. Um, so I actually built one and I got to wait for some tweets to see if this is working. But I built one to, to basically search for MS Dev Show tweets. And whenever it finds one, it puts it into a spreadsheet. Um, which is, I think kind of cool. So you can build these different logic flows too, too. So 
by being able to create line of business applications quickly and also these logic flows, I think um, I think this is going to be a cool technology. So right now, if you're interested in this, you have to sign up um, and and you know basically wait um, till they open it up a little bit more. Or you know I, I'm not sure what the criteria are for getting into it. But if you're interested, go out there and sign up so you can get access to this thing pretty soon. Um, it's just it's it's pretty neat. And this was actually formerly uh, Project Sienna, if you're familiar with that. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's a I think it's a platform to to watch. Okay, Carl, what do you got for the dev tip of the week? So the dev tip of the week, uh, I know you alluded to it at the very beginning of the show. It's called verbal expressions. Mm -hmm. So if you go to github.com slash verbal expressions, you'll see that they've got a version of verbal expressions for like 30 different languages. Um, uh, Before I get into it, you know, I saw this on Twitter and I tweeted it out again. And uh, somebody's like, there's no F sharp version. I'll make one. (laughs) and 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 as i'm going through now i see it's you know it's there updated two days ago oh really so yeah (laughs) that's awesome so so they added to this because it's really cool so what this is is if a lot of us struggle with regular expressions um you know there's a lot of tools out there um i can't a regex buddy is one of them where you can type your regex in there and it'll it'll tell you in english what it means yep so if you got it wrong you know you're like okay um, and, and I like how you summarize this, Jason. You said that it it's you're actually kind of putting this in in English. Yeah. So you, it uses a, a very fluent syntax to do um, uh, slowly build your regular expressions and get out your matching at the end. Yeah, and they actually show an example here with a URL. So they're saying dot start of line dot then HTTP maybe s so you could be hp or hps then colon slash slash maybe www dot and actually i i would probably generalize that a little bit more but let's ignore that for a moment uh oh because they're they're specifically testing google here um and then they're saying dot anything but uh you know space and then dot end of line you know so basically they're they're you know it's a fluent interface for creating a regex now their example makes this thing look like awesome. Like the next time I, I need to do a regex, this is totally what I'm going to try. Um, I don't know if it's totally going to fail whenever the, whenever I need something a little bit more complicated, but for, for, uh, looking for this particular, uh, URL pattern, it looks so easy. So whenever we were talking about the whole stack overflow thing, you know, you can say start of line, uh, dot, you know, then slash slash, you know, for a comment or I don't know, I guess it has to be way more generic than that. Uh, but Searching for like the Stack Overflow links inside of your code would be so much easier, I think, with this. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually, it looks like it. You can, you know, they have it set up for. Um, they have it in a unit test as well. So regexes. If you ever do regexes, just put put them in a test. I mean, you have to have some unit tests around it. Um, so you know, that's your quickest way to de- develop one of these things. Either way. Yeah, and. Uh- in the past, I've written an application that was literally, I think, seven different regexes, and that was performed all over the logic yeah. for the application. So, I mean, you can do a lot with regex yeah. um, more than what a lot of people realize as well. So, if you want to make those easier to write, check out this verbal expressions project on GitHub. Okay. You looking for the game, Jason? Yep. So uh, people will get mad at me if I don't ask you a question, even though we're running kind of long, but that's okay. Uh, pick a number between one and four. Uh, three. Three. Would you rather fall down? I think we've had this one, but that's okay. Would you rather fall down 20 wooden steps by accident or fall down 40, fall down 40 concrete steps by accident? 
but while wearing a football helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, and wrist guards. I don't know. I think uh, with, with that kind of padding that it might be a little bit easier on the concrete ones with the padding. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. That's a, that's a tricky one. I don't know what I, what I thought last time, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Okay. So uh, where can people find you, Carl? Actually, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I've been what? actually doing a, yeah, I've been doing a, a, a bunch of blogging, um, especially on the, on the show itself. So as a show comes out, I'll actually put a little bit of my opinions on what we talk about on uh, my company's website. So concurrency.com slash blog and just uh, look for my name. Um, ignore everybody else. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing useful to say, right, Carl? No, <laughs> Carl's but, totally yeah, in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to put one up for most episodes and uh, I've actually got uh, some blog series coming out that'll be out there uh, coming up soon. So check me out there as well as on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Awesome. I almost had one of my topics be uh, is blogging dead. So now I'm glad that I didn't uh, since you're uh, you're doing a good job there. Okay. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie.